occasionally when you stop, God can speak volumes in the noise and he can speak volumes in the silence, yeah? Anyone notice that? That you might get a word in the noise and then in the silence it just seems to resonate in your spirit. Ah, cool. Everyone's smiling, so they must be cheerful givers. Yeah. Oh, hold on, there's one person not smiling. What's going on? That's why you didn't give. <laughs> he said, I'm not smiling. Well, that's why, probably why I didn't give. It was my son, by the way. So, um, just for those that are here, we've got a great team of people that are uh, that looking after is not the right word, but that invest into our children in little stars uh, and in shine. Uh, and so we want to continue to ask and say, we need more volunteers. We always need more volunteers. More parents, more grandparents, more parents of children that are involved, more parents of children that aren't involved, more youth, more young adults. We want more people involved because I, I guess for me, Mount Clear is a family. We're a community. And what I've learned because of my Italian heritage is that we do stuff as family and we all chip in. You know, recently, um, my, my poor almost 83-year-old mum was driving. She doesn't like driving because of traffic and she breaks down on Bell Street, Coburg. Like, of all places. At least make it, you know, Sydney Road so you can get a coffee. But Bell Street, there's just traffic. Anyway, so eventually someone helps her and they push her car to a side road and uh, the RACV come out and we're going to have to tow your car. While she's there waiting, someone reverses out of a, their driveway into my mum's car <laughs> and writes it off. You know, she was devastated. She was hoping that this 18-year-old Ford Festiva would be the car that would be with her to her death. Seriously, I'm like, if you speak to her, that's what she would say. Why do I share all that? Because as a family, we got together to help her find another car. You know, I was looking online. My brother was, you know, ringing different people. My sister-in-law took her for a test drive here. As a family, we do stuff together. You know, when you have lunch and people are coming over, generally speaking, you know, those that you invite will say, what can I bring? What can I do to help? You know, because as a family, you do things together. And so as a church family, regardless of the size of the church, it's not about putting on more staff. What it's about is about family doing stuff together. You know, and that starts with kids' church. It starts with serving. And I just share all that to say, hey, you know what? We've been given this awesome gift, our gift of salvation. And God wants you to plug in somewhere. He wants you to get involved, yeah? He wants you to get involved in the house. Because this is not just my house, it's your house, amen? Don't look so depressed. If church is this depressing, you've really got to find a church that makes you happy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you should be coming. Like, the stuff with the kids is good fun. You should come to the house of God thinking, man, this is like my first home slash second home. I love being here. I love the people that are here. That should be your heart. That should be our heart. So consider, prayerfully consider where you can slot in. If we're talking about our kids' church, we probably only need, uh, need you to volunteer once a semester. It's not a great deal, and there's a great format already there and a great team of people that will help and support you. Is that okay? Because many hands make light work, and that's how family works, hey? Amen. What a great Sunday last week. Anyone else agree? Like it was. It was just a sensational Sunday, and I know I always rehash over the week that it was, but I just thought it was, was brilliant. We just had a, it was a wonderful presence of God. There's always a wonderful presence of God, you know, but there was just a, there was a sweet, tangible presence, you know, from the moment that we walked in, even before we opened our mouths, before we sang or greeted or preached or did any of that, there was just this lovely presence of God. And, you know, the healing time at the beginning was sensational. You know, Luke came up to get prayer and his feet were healed. He can do this really weird thing with his toes. He can sort of curl them all back. Like, that's not normal, you know? Like, it's just not. And he wonders why there's pain when he does that, you know? Like, it's because you're not supposed to do that. Um, but it never used to be painful, and it's been painful for some time. And so when he plays indoor soccer, it's a little bit uncomfortable. So he comes forward because we've been sharing how it started with Borkway and Eli, how they, they prayed for arched feet. And then others, you know, a few weeks ago got healed of that. And so we're, we're praying for that, and his feet get healed. 
Like, I don't know about you, that's awesome. Man, it doesn't matter what the healing is. Any healing's really exciting because it means God's moving in the supernatural. You know, I guess the, the, the thing for the rest of us or for some of us that haven't experienced the healing and are longing for the healing is holding on to the fact that, hey, if God can do that, that's my level of faith. That's where, that's where my foundation begins. And I know he can do that for me. And so though I may not be in it right now, I'm going to keep believing, yeah? It was just brilliant. Eli's feet with arches and, and Karen's and Stephen's. People who are flat-footed that have now, now got arches in their feet. And people who can curl their toes um, with pain can now do it without pain. Like, it's really exciting stuff. Supernatural. And we've got to declare it. You've got to, we have to declare it. We've got to decree it. We've got to claim it for our lives and for our church. You know, speak it over ourselves over and over and over again. Um, we had a minister's lunch on Thursday. We get together a couple of times a month, but one of them's in an afternoon. And I shared here almost a month ago that uh, one of the, the ministers, Ian, from Eureka Chapel, uh, is waiting. And somewhere near the end of the year, he's going to have uh, his leg, part of his leg, amputated from an old injury a long, long time ago that just gets worse and worse and worse and he has to have operation after operation and eventually he'll have no movement in that particular foot and leg. And so he's now at peace because he's going to have this thing amputated. And so if you would speak to Ian, he would share that on a scale of 1 to 10, he lives daily with pain of about number 8 in that leg and around that particular foot. I'm pretty sure it's his right foot. Anyway, so at this minister's lunch, people are just sharing, you know, what their church is doing and stuff. And, I, and so I couldn't help it. Hey, guess what? You know what happened to Manclear? It actually started outside of Manclear with a couple of young guys. And one of them got healed of, you know, of flat feet. And he had arches. And then at one of our services, we then talked about it. And so people came forward for the same thing. And they got prayer. And then there were some others. You know, not everyone got healed. But there were some others that got healed. So at the moment, there's like four different people have been healed in their feet. And then you could see a couple of the ministers are like, that's awesome. And a couple of them are like, I think you're tripping, sunshine. You know, but one of the ministers that was there said, you know what, we should pray for Ian. Let's pray for him right now. So we pray for Ian, yeah? We pray for Ian and then we go about our lunch. As we're about to leave, the person who suggested that we all pray, and I'm talking all of us prayed, and it must have been about 14 of us, we all prayed. This particular minister goes up to Ian and says, how's, how's your leg? And he goes, it's the most uncanny thing. I walked in, he goes, I had pain up to eight. And he goes, I, I can hardly feel it. He goes, if I had to rate it, it's about a one or two. He goes, I can hardly feel it. And so together, the three of us said, well, let's keep believing and keep praying. The following day, Ian sends, so now it's over 24 hours, about two o'clock the following day, he sends an email to all of us ministers. And he just says this, he goes, after prayer yesterday, I walked in with my leg. This is the pain that I suffer all the time. After the prayer, I noticed that it subsided. By the time I left, I realized that it was almost gone. And here I am, 2 o'clock today, and the pain is still a number one. I can hardly feel it. He goes, just praise be to God. Yeah? Isn't our God good? Yeah, you should give him a clap, because that's just awesome. Because the truth is, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Yeah? Amen? Anyway. We should get into a bit of a word um, and we'll pray. That's probably a good place to start. Father, thank you. Have your way. Speak life. Speak love. Bring healing, 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 healing in Jesus' name. And everybody said? And I reckon, actually, before we even start, if, the, if you've got something that you need prayer for, just put your hand up, just quickly. If you need prayer for something. Okay, keep your hands up for a minute. For those that are next to them, I want you to physically lay hands on them. So if you're behind them, beside them, lay hands on them. If you know that they need a healing, and I just want you to pray. See, it's not, it's not the elder or the minister or the pope. It's not, it's not the hierarchy that needs to pray. It's the body of believers by faith speaking and declaring and claiming healing by faith because you have the fullness of God in you. So let's pray. Pray for those people right now. Pray for them. Pray that they'll get their healing. Ask them, if you like, if it's easier. What is it that you need healing from? Come on, God. We're believing that each and every hand, Father, right now, each and every person that requires healing. Um, we think, too, of the granddaughter. What was the name? Sally? 
Lana, was it? Four-year-old girl who's had two strokes, is that right? Yep, we need to pray for Lana. So for those that aren't next to someone, four-year-old girl, Lana's had two strokes. We want to believe for her healing, yeah? So Father, right now we believe for that healing, God. We're believing that you're going to restore things, make things right. Lord, you know the way that we're knit together because you knit us together. You created us. And Father, we lay our hands as, as you've asked, but we just speak in the authority that you've given us. Father, we're not special. We just are your children. I guess that makes us special. And so, Father, we declare and we pray and believe for healing in people's feet, in their backs, God, in their hips, in their hearts, God. Those that are struggling with anxiety, Father, and depression and bipolar, God, Father, those mental illnesses, God, we pray for them. We pray clarity of mind. Lord, we believe that you're the healing God. And so we stand in that place. Lord, of great faith, believing in a great God, believing that you're going to do a great supernatural work because nothing is impossible for you. Help us with our unbelief, Lord God, that we may walk, Father, in the very truth that you bestow and give to us. Bring healing, healing, healing in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Now, for those that have been prayed for, if there's a shift in body or mind, whether it be during the service, whether it be in the next couple of days, can you let somebody know? Yeah? There's been a shift. Is that what we're saying? Christine, he's pointing to you. Yeah. yeah. And. Yeah. Pain's gone. All right, come on. We just got to grab that stuff. And you know what the funny, I'll tell you what happens. After you receive a healing, the enemy's going to do everything to bring that pain back. Yeah? I'm telling you, he will, he will bring things across your path. If it's for a foot or a hip, he'll have you trip over. Something that's going to start that, that pain again, and you're going to think, well, that healing's gone. D- don't believe that. Grab hold of it, and we keep praying. If you're not healed, we keep believing. We keep praying, yeah? We keep pouring in all that God has for us to see all that he has for us. Now, last week, James shared, uh, and he shared on, on having resilient faith, and he shared some of the steps or things that helped him have that great faith for those that were here. You know, he was thrown a, a, a decent-sized curveball, wasn't he? You know, life's good, his business was good, and he goes on a camp with some guys, and he has a great fall that leaves half his body, battered, bruised, broken, head split open, you name it. You know, that's, that's a decent size curveball. And he shared the, the things that helped him in his faith when he was going through that. You know, when you go through those situations that you never expected, that weren't anticipated, that actually, and for some of you, you, may be, you go through things and those that are closest to you, rather than rallying around you and supporting you, they, they often ask, you know, why are you going through that? What have you done wrong? You know, you're not walking right with God. I don't know if anyone's ever had that in their life, but, you know, generally, I know in my life that has happened in the past. Obviously, you're not doing something right. You must have some hidden secret somewhere if you're suffering like this right now. I like the fact that he shared that his foundations were built on faith from his childhood and the steps that he took to grow and cultivate that faith. I just thought it was a really, it was a good message. And if you weren't here, it's just worth hearing. Um, because it's shaken, that whole experience has shaken James to the core and, is, and it's changed him, yeah? Because God uses all things for good, yeah? And so it's changed him. So it's certainly worth getting all. If you, even if you go to our website, you can just stream it or download it, yeah? Rather than having to buy a CD if that's easier for you. You know, and I think everything he said, there was one thing that was underlying all that he mentioned that I want to talk about today. And and it's an integral ingredient in having resilient faith. He never mentioned it in his talk. But for me, it was there all the way through. You know, know, for us as a church over the last few years, we've been focused on our true identity, our original design. You know, it's true that we were sinners, but we've now been saved by grace. And it's really convenient having the cross because once we, we come to salvation, we step onto this side and so you're a sinner there, but you're not a sinner here. What you are is a son of God that may still have some habits in your body, but inside you have the spirit of the living God inside of you, yeah? And so we've been focusing on that and that we don't have to do anything for that gift. 
We don't have to do anything at all. It's all done for us. And in fact, it was done for us before we were good. We didn't have to be good to be a son of God. We just did nothing and God did it all. And now because of that, we have this gift that's offered to us. Yeah. So we don't have to strive. You know, so much of Western world and Western church is about striving, striving to be better and to make sure God's happy and to be closer to him. And it's not about any of that. No more working for our salvation because it's a free gift. And we've been talking about that just for years now. But I want to say to today, as much as that is true, see, it's only partially true. It's only partially right. I know that, I, that we've been saying, and I've said that it's a free gift and you don't have to do anything at all to step into your sonship. But there is something that you have to do. There is something that we all have to do. And it's, it's a really simple word. It's not so much a simple action, but it's a really simple word. Are you ready? You need to choose. You need to choose. You need to make a choice. Yeah? See, even the gift that Daddy has for us is only received if you and I choose to believe. Yeah? So that means no choice, no gift. <laughs> you don't choose Jesus, you're not living in heaven for eternity. You don't choose to believe, no gift for you. You're staying on this side of the cross. That's the reality of it. So as much as it's for free, there's still something you and I have to do and you need to choose. And in that case, you need to choose to believe. No choosing Jesus, no eternal life. Because choices, choices, not chances, determine our destiny. And when we look at resilient faith, we've got to understand that our faith can only be resilient if we choose it to be. Yeah? It's not that you need more faith, an injection of faith. It's not that Melanie has more faith than you or that you have more, more, fa uh, more faith than Ben. The Bible tells us really clearly that God was pleased to place his fullness in his son. And when we make the choice for Jesus, we have that fullness within us. You have everything already. Yeah, You just need to tap into that choice. Always comes down to choice. Choices, not chances, determine your destiny. And if you think about it for a minute... James shared some of the stuff that he chose to do before, after, and even during that stuff that he went through. And, I mean, he did go as far as to say if it wasn't for those things, he would never have made it through that two, you know, 24, 28-month period. And, I don't know, for those of you that were here, do you remember what some of those things were? One of those was music, yeah? One of those was prayer. One of those was family. One of those was reading. One of those was knowing that there's always someone Somewhere else in the world, it's worse off than you. Always. <laughs> and he talked about some of those things. So, I mean, let's flesh out how this works, yeah? James said that music was vital to him. Christian music was vital to him. It was pumped into him as a young person because of his parents. He played it uh, uh, as an adult. Um, his daughter made sure he got an iPod while he was in hospital, and he still plays it all the time today. You know, he chose to play Christian music, Christian bands, Christian worship all the time. You know, when he was in his car, depending on his age, he would have chosen, he would have made the choice to put in a tape. Today, you choose to put in a CD or to plug in your iPod. But he chose, and he chose to play stuff that was unashamedly Christian. That's what he chose. And that, were what, that was one of the things that helped him during his ordeal, yeah, his situation. That means there were times that he may have wanted to listen to ACDC. Or there were times that he may have wanted to listen to Nana Muscuri, yeah? For those that are old enough. Yeah, come on, we got some of the, yeah, come on, oh, I remember that, you know. But he chose instead to listen to Christian music, to invest in his life with Christian music. He chose, yeah? wasn't forced upon him. He never said he doesn't like other music. He just chose, Yeah? So when others were with him at his home and in his car and they're going, come on, James, bit of Michael Jackson, you know, Billy Jean and beat it, you know, whatever it might have been. Or, or maybe for some of his, his kids' friends and they're going, come on, Dad, let's put One Direction on. Or Justin Bieber, he's like, nah, 
I'm only listening to Christian music. He chose. He chose to invest in his life that way, yeah? So when he was laying on his back waiting to be rescued, a time that he doesn't even remember, he starts singing and Christian music, songs that spoke life into his life start to come out from his mouth and he sings a Matt Redman song, 10,000 Reasons. Doesn't even remember. His spirit was in autopilot because of a choice that he made in the past. He had resilient faith because of a choice that he made, yeah? I don't know about you, but if I'm near death, my prayer is that from the inside of me comes a song like that. Comes something that has spoken life into me, you know? And, and not something that I used to dance to. <laughs> you know, choices, not chances, determine our destiny. You know, and choices determine if we have resilient faith. Our choices, our choices. Not your parents, not your grandparents, not your brother, your sister, not the people within the church family. Your choices determine your destiny. You know, he talked about prayer and Bible reading. He chose to read and pray. He chose to read and pray before his accident, during his accident, and after his accident. It was a choice. Who knows that choosing to read and pray is not always easy? Yeah? I know that it's only three of us here that struggle with that, and all the rest of you have got such a great plan that you read your Bible, the whole Bible, in about four weeks. I know. But some of us actually struggle with making that time consistently. But he chose, it was a choice. So when he was home and he wanted to watch another episode of MASH or another episode of Golden Girls or, you know, in today's, today's language, he wanted to watch another episode of Suits or The Flash, he was like, no, 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 I'm going to read. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do that instead. So he chose to do that. So when he was home alone and he thought, you know what, the family's out, I'm going to kick back on the couch I'm going to sleep here and I'm going to snooze. This is the perfect time just to grab some Zeds. He chose to pray, chose to read. So when he was going through his stuff and he was asking God the why question, because when you go through stuff, if we're to be all honest, 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 we all ask the why question. You know, we all ask the why question. When he was going through that, there was an assurance within him that cancelled out that question because of choices that he'd made. Because choices, not chances, determine our destiny. So his faith was resilient during his time because he made a choice. He mentioned other stuff and, you know, the whole family and friends and they all come down to choice. And so today we've got to, I guess we've got to have a look at the fact that a faith that's resilient is because of a choice. Yeah? It's because of a choice. It's not because, you know, the person with resilient faith is better than us or we're lesser than them. It's just because they've made a choice all the time, all the way through, you know. Um, I think it's our responsibility to have resilient faith. Don't you think? Seriously. It's our responsibility to have resilient faith because the next, the next generation needs it. Our children's children need it. They need to see within us a faith that is so resilient when life throws its curveball at us. You know, the, the community out there need to see it. They need to, they, they need to be so wowed by it that they'll be like, man, I can't believe that you still believe after everything that you're going through. How, how can you still choose God? How can you still choose to follow with all that you've gone through? How? They need to see it. You know, the church, the church uh, generally and at large doesn't need more sons and daughters. It does, but it doesn't. What it needs is more mums and dads. It needs more grandparents. It needs more people that are maturing the faith, that, are, that have made choices that are an example to those that are coming after us. Yeah, That's what the church needs because that's what will strengthen the church. You're too quiet. It, even this, do you know when you come to church and you're worshipping and worship's really hard? Now this is going to be a challenge because it's a choice how you receive it, yeah? You know when worship's really hard and you don't want to worship, you don't want to raise your hands, you don't want to open your mouth, you're here because you should be here? You know, it's a choice how you react. Yeah. 
It's a choice how you act. You know, when someone's preaching and they're sharing a word and you're yawning or you're sleeping or you're thinking, man, he's talking to me. Why is he talking to me? Why does he keep looking in my eyes? Can't he look somewhere? It's a choice. It's a choice how you receive. It's a choice how you act. Yeah, it's a choice, the example that you are for those that are coming behind you, yeah? It's a choice. I love this scripture in Joshua 24. We should have some Bible. Joshua 24, 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose. What's the word? Choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Choice. Choose. Choose to follow. Choose to serve. Choose no matter what life looks like. Choose no matter what you're going through. The NIV actually even says, if serving the Lord looks undesirable, if it looks undesirable, choose. So even when stuff's like, I don't want to do it, you choose. It's your choice. James chose and had resilient faith. And if you and I want resilient faith, then there are times we just have to choose. Because choices, not chances, determine our destiny. So there's some, some people we need to look at that make some awesome, awesome decisions, some choices. And John the Baptist, for me, is a good place to start. Yeah? So Matthew 3. Matthew 3, we're going to look at verse 1 to verse 6. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John the Baptist found himself in the wilderness, is what the scripture says, doesn't it? It says he was in the wilderness. The word wilderness, the both, words that, both those words that are in that passage, is the Greek word eremo. Yeah? Just so you get some Greek in there as well. Now, eremo means deserted, it means desert. It means desolate, it means waste, it means abandoned, it means barren. And it can describe a place or it can describe a person. Yeah. So here John finds himself in the wilderness. He's got a long beard, probably as long as Steve's, for those that are part of Mount Clear home before he shaved it, a long beard. And his food is locusts and honey. Now, I don't know about you, but all I imagine, locusts and honey, there's probably locusts stuck in his beard, still buzzing, because they're stuck there because of all the honey. That's how I picture John the Baptist. Yeah, so if you see him, blue, tanned eyes, long hair, perfect, you know, it's not the John the Baptist I see. I see long hair, locusts are stuck in it, they're still buzzing because they're, they're just stuck in the honey. Because that's all he's been eating. Could you just imagine that? And in the wilderness, that means there were times that he felt deserted. Yeah? At times that he felt abandoned and alone. There were times that for him, he would have felt like he was in a desert, in a dry, dusty, dead place. And I reckon at times he would have felt like, you know, not just being in a barren place, but he would have felt barren, like nothing good is coming from my life out here. And if you're in the wilderness... There's some stuff that you go through. You know, it's not all locusts and honey. Now, I want to suggest that most of us have felt that way before. That we've been deserted. There are times in our life we've felt abandoned. There are times that we've questioned. We've felt barren and we've questioned, is anything good being birthed from my life? Is anything good coming from me? You know, in your really darkest times and in despair, you actually question, has my life been a waste? I remember when I turned, Mel will tell you, when I had my you know, midlife crisis at 40 and I was driving to work, hour and a half drive, and it dawned on me that I was 40 and I had all these dreams that I wanted to accomplish for God. And in that moment, 
I just realised I'd not accomplished a single one. And I bawled my eyes out all day. On the way to work, I composed myself at work on the way home. And I remember ringing Mel and she goes, what's wrong? And I go, I can't stop crying. Why? I go, I'm 40 and I've done nothing. I've done nothing. My life's a waste. So I can laugh about it now, but I wasn't laughing then. Like it, it was serious. Now, I'm quite happy to be transparent and say, hey, I have those moments. And I, I'm going to go as far as to say that I reckon we all have those moments somewhere, even when we don't speak them. Yeah? Even when we've never shared them. In the closets of life, we've had moments like that. But Papa wants us to live life with each other. And he doesn't want us to walk shoulder and shoulder together where you know I'm mates with Ben, he's mates with me. As long as I'm happy with him, he's happy with me. As long as he's playing soccer and kicking some goals, we can keep being mates. That's shoulder to shoulder where we do stuff for one another. It's almost contractual. But that's not what God wants. God wants us to be heart to heart. And that means when we're together, man, we spill our guts. Not because we're carrying deep, dark secrets, but because God wants to get in deep and make you whole. And he can't make you whole while you're holding on to stuff. Do you understand? Like, there's a, I love the show The Flash at the moment. And for those that don't know it, you don't have to, but Flash is really fast, okay? It's part of the Super Friends, you know, Justice League. But anyway, there's this thing that, Fla- that the Flash can do. He can move his hand really, 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 really quick. And if he does that, he can move past through objects. So he can actually go really, 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 really quick with his hand and he can go inside your body, grab your heart, squeeze it so you die. Not that he does that because he's a hero. But the point is that he can get deep down inside to do a work. And I want to share today that God actually wants us in our relationships, and this is absolutely for free. He wants to get deep down inside of you where there's stuff that's hidden, hidden, I'm telling you, hidden, that you know about, that you've never shared, and he wants to get in deep so that he can pull it out so that you can actually fulfill all that he's purposed for you to fulfill. He wants us, Dad, God wants us to share our heart. He wants us to... He wants us to learn from each other, to connect with one another, to journey with one another together. Families journey together. You've got to hear me. Families journey together. You know, and our vision as a church is to engage with our God, his church and his people. This is his church. Yeah? And our theme for this year is together. So if you truly want to experience engaging with his church, then choose someone to do life with. Choose some people you can journey with. Choose people that you can actually drop all the masks, all the facades, and that you can say, hey, you know what? This is the day that I've had. I'm still struggling with this. I'm sharing it with you. Can you, can you pray for that? I'm, I'm over it. Yeah? Just, you do that. You create a bond with somebody, and they will journey with you for the rest of your life. It won't matter whether you're living in the same town or the same country. They will be your friends forever. But I'll tell you what happens when we have superficial relationships. People move from place to place, city to city, and you get a phone call once a year. You may not get a phone call at all after that because it was just surface stuff. But the deep stuff never happened. The real connection never happened. And God wants us to have that sort of relationship with him and with each other. But anyway, that's for free. So the word wilderness, you know, that same Greek word, also means solitary place that also provides needed quiet. Solitary place that also provides needed quiet. You know, I love it because we had this unplanned quiet time today, yeah? So here's John in the wilderness and life is screaming at him to give up. He feels deserted, abandoned, he's in a desert place. His life, he feels like it's just, he's, he, he's in a barren place. His life feels barren. He feels like it's a waste. He's not giving birth to anything. He can see nothing coming of it. He's abandoned and alone. And yet even though he's in his wilderness, he doesn't allow where he finds himself. You've got to hear this. He doesn't allow where he finds himself to stop him doing what he knows he's been called to do. It was in his wilderness where he was alone, in that solitary place, that he found a quiet place for his soul. Yeah? That's why Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. See, John chooses to stay focused on the Father. He chose. In his wilderness, he chose. 
He chose to listen in the silence and the noise, yeah? Because people were coming to him, but he was still in a wilderness. Do you know, people can come to you and you can speak life into people, but deep down inside, you're still in a wilderness yourself. You ever been there? You know, they walk away and you go, man, I can't believe that they've accepted everything I've said. You know, that they're in a better place, but man, I'm going to go home. I'm going to hit that pillow. I'm going to close my eyes and hope tomorrow is better. You ever been there? Now, he chose. And John finds a quiet place in his solitary place. He finds a place of peace in the middle of his wilderness, in the middle of his barrenness, in the, mid- in the middle of feeling abandoned and alone and deserted. He finds a place to connect with Daddy, even though he doesn't feel like it, and even though everything is stacked against him. Man, if, if, I, if I had to have locusts stuck in my beard with honey so I could be like John, man, I, I'd want to be like him. Seriously, even with locusts doing that. (laughs) In his wilderness, he chooses to keep investing. He chooses to keep believing. He chooses, and in his wilderness, his faith is resilient. You know, you and I, we can choose to find a quiet place in our solitary place, in our wilderness. And look what happens. Matthew 3, 13 to 17 says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And I'm just going to jump to verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Because John chose and had faith that was resilient, because he had resilient faith despite where he found himself, because he chose to believe and to invest, he chose to keep preaching, those choices lead him to a place where he baptises the Son of God. Man, imagine if he didn't make that choice. Imagine if he chose the other side. This is too tough. This is too dry. I'm over the locusts. I don't like their stench. I don't like their guts. I want a, I want a ribeye cooked on a grill. I'm over this. I'm over honey. I don't want any more of that sticky stuff. There's always bees around my home. I can't get them. Could you imagine if he chose to go the other way? And I love it because God speaks. And Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I'm I'm God, so that I will be exalted in the nations and across the earth. Because of his choice, because he found his his quiet place in the solitary place because he was able in his soul to be still and he chooses to keep going. He baptises Jesus and a voice from heaven cries out that other people heard. And God then brings to life Psalm 46 because he's exalted at that moment amongst the nations and across the earth because did you hear that? You know, when we find ourselves in our wilderness... Choose. We've got to choose. I know it's tough. Choose. In the wilderness, we need to find our quiet place, in the solitary place, even when we don't like it. Even when it feels like all we're eating is locusts and honey and we're over it. Because choices, not chances, determine our destiny. So when we make our choice, whatever that choice is for you, who's it going to affect? What about Peter, John 21? In John 21, verse 15, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, you know, a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know, by this stage, he's a fisherman. Don't think it was like, yes, Lord, you know I love you. The second time, because I, I, I like to flesh out the scripture a little bit. Let's get into the moment. If he's a rugged, tough fisherman, by the second time, he's like, come on, Jesus. You know I love you. What are you asking me for again? Like, see, I, just, I just told you, dude. I just told you. You know I love you. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now I love this. Peter, this tough fisherman, yeah? It says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. You know what that means? It means Peter did, come on, Jesus. Man, like he was broken. He was hurt. He was like, I can't believe you asked me again. 
You know, and you had to ask me in front of all of my friends. What are they going to think now that you asked me a third time? You know I love you. Man, I've stood up for you. Why did you have to embarrass me in front of them? Man, that's not fair. Like he was hurt. Some versions use the word grieved. The Greek words lupio, just because I wanted to throw some Greek in. But it means to distress, to experience deep emotional pain. So Peter, when Jesus asked him a third time, this strong man suffered deep emotional pain. Put up your hand if you've never experienced deep emotional pain. It's so severe the pain that that Greek word lupio, they use that word for childbirth. It's the same word. So when it says Peter's hurt, it's the same pain that a woman goes through in childbirth. That's how severe it was. It sent Peter reeling. It hit him for six. He was distressed. He was grieved. He was experienced deep emotional pain. He would have felt betrayed, embarrassed. How dare he ask me three times? Mate, step outside, Lord. The nerve of that man to ask me again. You could, I reckon you can hear it in his answers. Now, how many times have we been hurt, deeply hurt? Think about it in life. Things have been said and things have been done. You know, and for some of you and for some of us, so hurt at times that, you know, the thought of walking away from our faith pops into our head, it's just easier. Easier if I don't come. Easier if I don't pray. It's just easier. Easier to choose the easy way out. So hurt and so disillusioned that we can just give it all up, yeah? You know, there are times that we've felt and experienced such emotional pain that we never thought that we could continue living life. And actually, the thought of leaving life brings comfort. But hey, it's probably just me I'm preaching to. Peter's faith didn't waver. That's what I love about the scripture. It shows us the lowest of lows, and then it shows us how with the Lord, how we walk through those things, you know? Peter's faith didn't waver. He... He seemed to only see it as a minor setback, a small hiccup, because he chose to keep believing. He chose to keep following. He chose to keep defending. He chose not to be offended. He chose not to give up. He chose not to walk away. He chose not to be robbed of his relationship with Jesus. He chose, and his faith was resilient even in his pain. And because of his choices and this faith that's so resilient in him, we know that in Acts 2, after the day of Pentecost, Peter, of all people, the one who was so deeply hurt, gets up and preaches a message where 3,000 people come to the Lord just like that. You know why? Because of a choice. Because of a choice in his pain. And just maybe to have resilient faith, we need to make some choices. Peter made, you know, the same choices Peter made when he was hurt. Resilient faith starts with a choice. Like Samson's brilliant. If you read Judges 16, he's strong, he's mighty, God's with him, he's a deep love for the Father. The world's his oyster. He's got guns, muscles like mine. Like the guy is super strong. He bench presses less than me, but he can defeat a whole, you know, Philippian army. He's like, this guy's a gun. Like he's super strong. Everything's going with him. God's walking with him. And then he makes... One mistake. Not 20, I mean, he made some other mistakes, but I'm talking one huge mistake. It was really only a small mistake, and it was really only the one mistake. The other were life choices. But he makes this one mistake, doesn't he? One mistake, and he gives away the secret to his strength. And as he does that, the enemies jump on the opportunity to tear him down and to take him down. And he's captured, he's betrayed, he's now alone. God has left him. He feels like God's not even hearing him. And man, I don't know about you, but if you've ever made a mistake, you ever get angry at yourself? Like seriously, do you ever just like 
can't believe I did that. Can't, it could be simple stuff, you know, like reversing into your wife's car. It's like, I can't believe I did that. You know, I don't know how you speak to yourself, but sometimes the words I speak over my life, not only when I make a mistake, I mean, you know, like sometimes you do something, it's like, how stupid can I be and still breathe, you know? But no one's ever felt like that either, right? Just me, okay. Thank you. There's one, there's two of us, amen. Three, come on. <laughs> yep, I'd rather, yep, I'd rather a girlfriend's car or boyfriend's car than, you know, my wife's car. So I've got to live with my, anyway, let's keep going. You know, sometimes we make mistakes that leave us angry with life and angry with ourselves and sometimes we can even be angry with God. You know, I, I just want to suggest that Samson would have been angry with himself but then he would have been angry with God. You've got to remember the guy just lost his eyes too. If you read the story of Judges 16, they plucked his eyes out. I, don't, I reckon that's painful. I don't think they use any sort of anaesthetic. So he makes this mistake. His strength's gone. He can't see. Can't see his future. Yeah? Can't see where God has taken him or where he's headed. He cannot see. Samson's mistake nearly cost him his life. And life can sometimes feel like the same way his enemies jumped on him and gathered around him. I reckon sometimes life just feels like that. You know? And we all come, look, we all come from the same address. It's the same my old pastor used to have. We all go through similar things. Yeah, and for some of us, it could be family, it could be finances, it could be business, it could be anything, it could be relationship, it could be sickness, but sometimes life just feels like it's caving in and the enemy's got a foothold, yeah? From just one mistake, just one mistake. Ever cried out to God and feel like he didn't answer? Still waiting on those tats lotto numbers. Ever wondered to yourself, seriously, just for yourself, ever wondered to yourself, God, are you even there? Like you've got faith, you believe, but you just have this moment. You say, you know, man, I really stuffed that. God, are you even there? I can't believe what I'm going through. I used to hear you so clearly, God. God, are you even there? Like Samson would have been asking those questions. But for Samson, the victories in his life were far more in number than the defeats that he suffered, yeah? And sometimes when we're going through stuff, we've got to look back at all the good things God has done. All right, we might be in a wilderness right now, but look at, look at what has come before. Because there's where our faith gets a bit of a pick-me-up. And though it felt like God had left him, Samson still knew that Father was still with him. See, Samson chooses to keep fighting. Even though he lost his eyes and his sight, he still knew where he was headed and what he had to do. He chose to fight for his faith. He chose to fight to finish the purpose that Papa had for him. He chose to keep believing. In Judges 16, verse 28 to 30, it reads, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, Remember me again, O oh God. Please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. See, Samson chooses to do what we need to do at times in our faith walk. When it feels like all the wheels have fallen off, when, it, when it's like we've lost our eyes and we can't see what's ahead of us or which way to go, when we feel like we've been portrayed and it feels like that the only voices we hear are the voices around us that are mocking and scoffing us, because that's all Samson could hear, we need to do what Samson did. And Samson chose to push. He asked to be placed between the pillars and he spoke to Father God, believing that he would be with him, and he pushed. And so many of us have stopped pushing in areas of our life, and we've lived with a defeat. 
Yeah? And we've lived with the circumstance. But you know what? To have resilient faith, the faith that James talked about that, he got, that helped him through his time and his faith is in a different place now to what it was. Sometimes we've got to push through. I don't feel like reading. I need to push. I don't feel like praying. I need to push. I don't want to share that story. I need to push. That person's sick. I should pray. I don't want to. I need to push. Man, I don't feel like church today. I want to stay in bed. I need to push. I'm tired of that person at work. They, I'm going to, I'm going to smack them down one day. I don't want to love them anymore. You need to push. We need to keep pushing the way God would want us to push, the same way that Jesus pushed, yeah? Father, not my will, not my will. Do I have to go to the cross, Jesus, really? Uh, God, do I have to go to the cross? I was talking about this with, with Ross yesterday. We were having a little moment where we laughed. Come on, God, do I have to? Jesus would have said to the Father, do I have to? Not my will, God, not, not, you know, not mine, but yours. Do I have to? Can I have Teflon nails? Maybe it won't hurt as much if it goes through. Then we went as far as to say, maybe, you know, Jesus, if it was asked, Jesus would have said, I oh, know, maybe we'll just have electrical ties instead because it won't hurt. When we, do I have to go through it, God? Do I have to? I know we need to save these people, but do I have to? I don't want to. I'm afraid. But not my will. Your will be done. See, he chose. He chose. And so many of us don't choose. And when we do choose, we don't choose right because we don't want to push. It's too hard to push. There's pain to push. Samson lost his life when he pushed. But he saved the lives of those around him. Church doesn't need sons and daughters. The church needs mums and dads and grandparents that will make a choice to push. And even if it costs me everything that I have, the faith of those around me is more important. Isn't that what Paul says? Man, I can lose everything. In fact, take my life that they might be saved. We've got to choose. See, our gift is for free. Our sonship is for free. We don't have to do anything. But we've got to choose to live like him. It's not we've got to choose to see if it happens, if it's his will. It is his will. He's given us the gift. Now we just have to choose and at times we have to push. Because it's your choices, not your chances, that determine your destiny. Why don't we stand? Can I have the keys, Andrew? I, I have... I have on my heart this desire for the church to step into all of its grandeur, to step into all that it can be. Yeah? It's not about, it's not about us feeling guilty with where we're not or what we're not or how we're not, but it's about us looking to the Lord and saying, what can we be? What do you see? Where can I go? And he'll say, push, push. And we break through those areas in our life. Those temples come crumbling down. The very things that have held us captive fall away. You know, in Genesis 1, it reads that the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. And in verse 3, it says, Then God said, Let there be light. God had created the heavens and the earth. He created them and they were formless. They were void. They were full of darkness. They were, it was empty. That's where God found himself, in darkness. You've got to hear me. God created something, heavens and the earth, and it was void and dark and empty. That's what he created. So he's standing in that darkness. And then verse 3 says, he doesn't speak what he sees. He speaks what he knows. He doesn't speak the darkness that he's in, but he speaks the light that's to come. Church, we've got to stop speaking where we find ourselves. We're sons and daughters of the living God, heirs and co-heirs with him, ambassadors of heaven, where eternity is in our hearts. And when we speak, we change atmospheres. We don't... We don't speak where we find ourselves. We don't speak the sickness. Yes, we're in it. And yes, we feel it. And yes, it's tough. And it's void and it's empty. But when we speak, we speak light. And when we're in it, we speak life. 
I may not be healed at the moment, but I'm going to speak healing. I may feel like I'm imprisoned in this darkness, but I'm speaking freedom. Because it's a choice. Choice is not chances determine our destiny. Choices determine the Christian that you'll be. Not what you hear on a Sunday. Not what your friends pick you up and pat you on the back for. Your choices will determine the type of Christian that you will be. God gave us the example. Gave us two beautiful examples. He spoke light and darkness. And when the pain was pressing against his son, and he cried out, not my will, and he chose, but your will be done. There's our example, yeah? Today I want us to pray. And I want to open the altar, because I love it. I love coming to the altar and getting prayer. I love praying. Because sometimes I need a God injection. Sometimes I need a little bit of Him to get me through the day. Sometimes I need a little bit of God to help me get through the circumstance that I'm in, the wilderness that I'm in, the desert that I'm walking through, the darkness that I find myself in, the fact that I can't see where I'm going because I've lost my eyes, but I'm going to trust in Him. And I choose Him. For me in my house, I will serve the Lord. Even when it's undesirable, choose Him. Even when it's difficult, choose Him. Even when you think you can't make it, choose Him. Thanks, God. (laughs) So while Andrew plays, make a choice. Make a choice for Him. Make a choice to speak life in your darkness. Make a choice to keep going. Make a choice to have a resilient faith that will bring life to those that are around you and watching you. Make a choice to inspire others. Yeah? So if that's you, come forward. And we're just going to pray. We're going to pray a simple prayer. We're going to pray that God infills and God enriches and God strengthens and God encourages. Make a choice in your sickness. I'm not going to stand for this. I've had prayer. I'm going to keep getting prayer. I'm choosing you, God. You're bigger than this. You're bigger than my ailment. You're bigger than my diagnosis. I'm speaking deliverance in my darkness. If that's you, come. And Sally, can I get you to sing, um, if you're here, and some of the team. I was thinking the third song, but you can go with the fourth, whatever you feel.